Welcome to Light Trees and News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today by Eric. Hello, it's me. Hello from the beautiful state of North Carolina. How's it going? It is a beautiful state. It's not beautiful today. It's just raining. It's just, Mm -hmm. and it's not even raining in a cool way. It's just like the gross, slow, murky rain that's not aesthetically pleasing, but is also not fun, you know? Hell yeah, bro. I would still take that over. Um, We're currently under a few feet of snow. <laughs> yeah. So and more's on the way. Don't worry. So I would take um stressing a little bit over that. So <laughs> you can suck it. Uh how'd the move go? How are you doing? Do you have your own apartment? What are your life updates? Yes, I do have my own apartment. It's a townhouse. It has two floors. Allison, it has two floors. Uh so how many rooms do you and Faith have? How many rooms? Well, we have two bedrooms. We have okay. a dining room, if you can imagine such a thing. A room I'm trying just for to, dining. Yeah, I'm trying to envision this. So when I, mm. I walk through the front door, what do I see? You're in the living room. It's a okay. pretty standard like townhouse setup. You walk in the front door. You're in the living room. There's a set of stairs right by the door going Got up it. to the second floor. Classic, classic, yeah. Yep. And then you walk through. you walk through the living room. You're at the kitchen. Little open kitchen plan going on, uh, followed by dining room. Make a little snack. Yep. Followed by kit. Followed by a dining room in the back with a little sliding glass door to a back patio. So you could have actual sit down adult meals where the TV isn't on. (laughs) Here's my question: Are you going to do that? (laughs) We could if we owned any furniture. Sure. Uh, Critical (laughs) part of the equation. When Mm -hmm. are you getting furniture? We I. God, that's a great question. We like moved everything in and we started unboxing and then we had to start working and we were like, hmm, we're going to do all of this later. Uh, (laughs) Sure. I mean, you uh, have time. Like we're not, no one's going anywhere. So that could be your, I was actually really excited when I moved to my new apartment because I was like, this is a cool long-term project for me to focus on, like decorating, getting my place set up that will distract me while the world is ending. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of we're, we're kind of slowly we got like a bed and we got like we you know, we used our second bedroom as like an office because we both obviously work from home because nobody works in anywhere anymore. Uh, and so we sort of like got our sort of we, our office is not really set up, but we have a workstation set up. So we got that going so we could work. We got a bed. That's pretty much it. And we have a lot of boxes. A lot of boxes, mostly of books. Mm-hmm. So obviously no one can go anywhere. So I can't really ask you, like, how are you enjoying the culture of North Carolina? But have you been able mm-hmm. to, like, check out North Carolina at all? I mean, pretty much just where we are. Um, it is weird going. Oh I bought a car, so that's a new thing. Um, Ooh, what what kind of car? I bought a 2019 Honda Insight. Reliable. It is. It's a hybrid. Reliable. It's a Honda. It's a fucking Honda. That thing will outlive you. Yep, it's a Honda. It's a hybrid. It gets 55 miles to the gallon. Hell it's yeah, dude! Incredible. Uh, Hell yeah. 
it's it, it's really it was really wild. I mean, it's it sounds this is gonna sound so strange for I think most people listening to this, but like it was such a weird experience right after I got the car, and I just drove to the grocery store and Ugh. did not have to consider what I could physically carry in my shopping decisions. <laughs> you know, I know it's like hacky to cite it at this point, even though it just happened, but that's our culture. The SNL where people over 30 go on, um, what was the website? The real estate website to look at. Zolo. Zolo. (laughs) Instead of like Pornhub to look at Mm -hmm. all of the amazing places they could afford outside of the city. But hearing about shit like this is truly pornographic for me where it's like, oh, yeah, I bet you got like multiple like <laughs> heavy gallons of like almond milk and didn't even worry about carrying it from the subway. Yeah. Like no, talk slower. Even, yeah. Didn't even consider it for one second. We just bought everything we could get our hands on and just put it in Ugh. the car and drove it back home. It was crazy. Um, Amazing. So, yeah. So it's, it's funny cause people keep asking me like how it is. And I, but as you alluded to, I was, I sort of keep being like, well, I mean, it's still COVID. So, I pretty much just live in my apartment here and not in my apartment in New York. Like, yeah. Yeah. But also that means like nothing has changed. You guys aren't like missing anything. It's just, it's the same everywhere. Yeah. Except Um, we just have more space and no roommates, which is also, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, that is one nice thing about me moving. I now live alone again. So even though again, I had like the ideal, at least at first roommate, scenario Mm -hmm. where when it was Chloe and Charles, it was great because it was like, uh, I trust these people. We've been friends for a long time. No one's going to murder anyone else in their sleep. (laughs) And then we had to get a random roommate and she was a nightmare. (laughs) Oh, right. And almost burned down the apartment multiple times. And like, (laughs) yeah, she was a, uh, and somehow spun it that we were the bad ones. It was an absolutely insane experience. Um, <laughs> don't ever live with a model ever, ever, ever. I can't stress that. Seems that seems like enough. good advice. Uh, we were desperate though. We really, we needed sure. somebody, anybody, anybody. Um, and it, her name was Melanie. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But now that I live alone, it's sort of like, it's, it's so much better. But anyway, guys, we've got so much to get to. I had to catch mm-hmm. up with Eric just because you moved to a whole new dang state, which is kind of a big deal. Um, yeah, I, somebody else just wrote a think piece. Because, you know, when you leave New York, you have to write a think piece. Of course. Um, about, <laughs> although hers was very self-aware where she was sort of like, I know, I know, I'm doing it too. <laughs> She's also moving to North Carolina. And I was like, Mm. damn, that's like the hot spot for people leaving. I remember when I moved into my old apartment, the girl moving out, I was like, oh, where are you going? And she's like, oh, North Carolina. And I was like, I hear it's like really cool and liberal and artistic. And she was like, that's why I'm going. (laughs) I feel like I it's like I think for ambitious people, you leave New York, you move to Austin, Texas. Right. If you're a little less ambitious and you just want to live in a nice place, you go to North Carolina. Yeah. I don't know what I am at this point. Mentally ill? Is that why I stay in New York? I think it is. Mm. Um, I Mm. love Austin and North Carolina seems dope. I'm never one of these New Yorkers who's like, I would never live in X, you know? Unless Mm. it's like a very conservative area where I would be burned at the stake, you know? But like... I really like LA. I really like Austin. Um, I, yeah, I, North Carolina's dope. I like Nashville. I think Nashville's very cool. Um, 
I just, I guess I'm open-minded enough, but there are a lot of New Yorkers who are just like New Yorker die, you know? Right. Um, so I, I always hesitate. I never know if I should do this. Whenever somebody signs up at my Patreon, I thank them on the show, but I get into this weird situation when it's a, a in real life friend of mine. I don't know if I should thank mm. them or not, but I'm going to thank them anyway. Matt, thank you for signing up at my Patreon, you lunatic. I don't know why yeah. <laughs> you are financially supporting me, but you are a kind man. Um, and he's got a little baby now. I can't believe it. I, I, I knew Matt when he was a, he still is a badass lefty radical organizer. Um, and now he's a papa and his baby's so cute. Um, and I, I love you. Thank you for the support. If you too want to support the show, my work, etc., etc. patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny for as little as $5 a month. You get to skip the dang line and we read all of your messages on the show. So I have a few more that I wanted to read. Uh, T.E. sent a sleepwalking slash ghost story twofer. Uh Hell yeah. Thank you, T.E. Just a reminder to everyone. We love getting your ghost stories. They've been so fun on the show. I don't actually remember how this started, but I think it's so funny. We're just telling ghost stories year round on a political comedy podcast out of nowhere because <laughs> uh, we can do that because fuck the rules so i just want to give a content warning up top for death by suicide if that is uh, an upsetting content warning to anyone just skip ahead to the music cue um or you know the next several seconds and you'll miss our conversation about this so te writes when my dad and my aunt were teenagers they moved into a new house in charlotte oh hey oh we have a theme it was in this house that she first ever experienced sleepwalking my aunt was sometimes considered sensitive she wasn't really ever into things like tarot cards or ouija boards but she would occasionally just know things later in life when my dad was in vietnam she was just suddenly worried about him at the exact time he was in the hospital and she also knew when he was safe from danger when the TV news reports uh, reported some major military action. This was back when communication moved at the speed of Trans-Pacific mail delivery. Her sleepwalking episodes were unusual. A couple times a week, she would always do the same thing. Get out of bed, walk outside, and stand in exactly the same spot on the front porch. She would either wake up or be found by someone else always just standing perfectly still in the same place. Nothing was really special about the spot. It wasn't near the edge of the porch or impeded by furniture. She could have continued walking or performing some other activity. Instead, she always stopped and stood completely still waiting to wake up. A few months after they moved in, my grandparents decided to remodel the porch. It had some wear from the previous owners and had exposed beams that they wanted to cover up. The contractor was familiar with the house in the area, so when he started working, he showed my grandparents a worn spot on one of those exposed beams. It was that worn spot where a rope had been tied by the daughter of the previous owners, and it was that rope that she'd used to hang herself. The rope had been tied directly above the spot where my aunt stopped sleepwalking every night. After the remodel was finished, the sleepwalking episode stopped, and to my knowledge, my aunt never had another such episode. That house has stayed in my family 
after my grandmother passed and my grandfather moved into an assisted living facility, my cousin, my aunt's son, moved into the house with. At least once he was, uh, at least once he had seen a glimpse of a shadowy figure right outside the same bedroom where his mother once slept. But if it's the same ghost, at least no one's following in her footsteps anymore. Damn. T.E., that's spooky as fuck. That almost, if you didn't have the association of, like, this house was in your family, sounds like a creepypasta. Mm -hmm. But, damn, that's a good story. Either way, if it's true or it's not true, I believe you. I believe it was told to you. Uh, It is spooky as fuck. That's a good one. I, you know what's funny is I, I don't sleepwalk. But I used to get really freaked out at the idea that I might be sleepwalking, but then going back to bed before waking up and then just never knowing about it. So you don't even get the entertaining story of having sleepwalked. You're like, no. I thought I might have the potential I was, of sleepwalking. Yeah, I, it would, th- there was no reason for me to think that. I was just always anxious about it because <laughs> I was like, because <laughs> you're asleep. You're like, you, you don't know what happens when you're asleep. Who yeah, anything Eric, could be happening? You know I actually sleepwalk, right? Yes. Yes. So I'm aware that yeah. bad things can happen. <laughs> like say you lock yourself out of your own apartment. That's not even <laughs> the worst thing that can happen. Mike Birbiglia has some amazing stories. Mm, yes. Say crashing through a window. But right. yeah, it's very scary. It's it's a very, very scary thing. Um, so I also have a recommendation from a listener and an anti-rec, which I love, and I've never asked for before on the show, but my babies, my precious, beautiful babies, if you have anti-rec, send those too. I love a hot take. I want to fight you people. That's the yeah. goal of this podcast. I want to get into some heated, one-sided debates where you can't defend yourself, okay? So Kim writes in. Oh, Kim also is my in-real-life friend. So hi, Kim. It's nice. crazy that you financially support me. She has a daughter as well. I'm... I have so many wonderful people in my life who I don't deserve. So who Kim, are all these people with kids? I know. Isn't that wild? It's people <laughs> who either left the city or who never came to the city in the first place. Who just <laughs> live like totally normal lives. Mm-hmm. Um, probably are much healthier and well adjusted than me. Um, would spend 10 minutes with me and be like, that girl's a fucking disaster, but still support me because they're kind people. So Kim writes, gotta wreck night flyers. It's a limited series on Netflix based off of a George R.R. Martin novella. It takes place in space, um, trying to make contact with other life in the universe. No spoilers. So classic George R.R. Martin recommendation. I'm sure there's a ton of plot twists and reveals. And Kim doesn't want to spoil it for you. So if you're into George R.R. Martin, if you have Netflix, check out Night Flyers. I haven't seen it yet, but it, that sounds like extremely up my alley, so I'll probably check it out. Thank you, Kim. Brian, coming in hot with his first ever anti-rec. Okay. I read this book a few years ago, but was reminded of it randomly this morning and realized something bad about it I'd missed before. Uh, the book is called Brimstone's Night by W. Wright. And the central premise is actually interesting, that dragons are real and were involved in the spreading of Christ's gospels, but their existence was covered up by the Catholic Church because the dragons could only telepathically bond with their knights and only gay men could be knights. Oh, that is really interesting. Unfortunately, 
while more LGBTQ-driven fantasy stories are by themselves a good thing, this book is a mess. It sets up protagonists only to off them a couple of chapters later. The genocide of the Palestinians takes place over a whopping two paragraphs. Aliens come out of nowhere twice. And in the final act, a trans woman is allowed to join their ranks. The first time this has apparently ever happened. On its face, this seems progressive, but the book establishes early on that only gay men can bond with dragons. So this has some unfortunate implications for how the author views trans women even if the characters respect her pronouns and don't dead name her. And then after a pacing that made you feel like you were reading seven books that were crammed into one, it had the temerity, the unmitigated gall, to end on a cliffhanger. Oh, and the author himself tried to argue with me about my negative, view, uh, my negative review on Goodreads, which is <laughs> never a good sign. That's crazy that they were fighting with you on Goodreads. Definitely read more fantasy that doesn't center people like me, Cishet white men, just not Brimstow's night. Yeah, I, Brian, that, that sounds like a very good anti-rec. That's fully bananas that the author was fighting with you on Goodreads. Yeah, that, that is, is so wild. That is not a good look. Even if you're um, right, even if you're the author and you're right, it's you not gotta a good let look. it go, buddy. You gotta let everybody gets bad reviews, everybody has <laughs> trolls and critics online fighting with them. You you never look good. There are also, very few people who can do that and come out looking good. Also, no disrespect to Brian. Brian's just some person, like on good. Yeah, like, like what that's are you what I doing? mean. Like, why are you using your time? Like, this is obviously a very insecure person. Um, thank you for the anti rec. Like I said, if anybody else has anti recs, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. Send those. I love your hot takes. I think, I th yeah, I think that was a good uh, take, Brian. That was a good take. I want to push back on Brian a little bit. Great, I don't know. I love. I don't know anything about this book, so I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna push back entirely. But I will say I'm very pro killing your protagonist and ending on a cliffhanger. I like, I like, I like messing with stuff. I like. It, it. seemed like the frustration with that was the bad pacing leading up to it. Mm -hmm. where it's yeah. like okay we're rushing everything this is super weird i feel like this needs to be seven books what we're ending on a cliffhanger whereas maybe if it was paced well the cliffhanger wouldn't have been yeah as devastating yeah um so before we get to rex did you watch the super bowl and did you have any feelings about the super bowl i did not watch the super bowl i was working during the super bowl um, okay i just have some quick takes that like we're not gonna harp on too much because at this point it feels like very old news mm -hmm. but tom brady is probably the person i know the least about who i hate the most <laughs> because yeah. all i know about him is like football trump but that's right. enough for me where i'm just like i don't like this man i know he's very conservative i know he's like extremely pro-trump and is like personal friends with trump fuck him so it was super weird to see the nfl trying out this end racism campaign where they had an ad for it and then like the officials in the stadium were wearing like end racism hats and it's like this is the same organization that blacklisted colin kaepernick for kneeling during the national anthem in uh, you know opposition to systemic racism this is the organization that like has never apologized for that. They've like acknowledged it and said we didn't handle certain things well, but they will like not say Colin Kaepernick by name, which seems like well then you're not really coming to terms with what you've done, <laughs> you know. Right, right. Um, 
It was truly bizarre. They made a big deal out of like, look at all the cardboard cutouts. We're being so COVID safe right now. There were still 25,000 people there. <laughs> right. It was a full super spreader event while they were like paying tribute to healthcare workers, which just seemed like <laughs> a huge middle finger. Right. Like you're sending 25,000 people back to like their rural communities to absolutely devastate their local <laughs> hospitals like they are just going to steamroll their local hospitals when they get back right and it's like even if you were distancing in the stadium like i mean they're not going to all be distancing getting out of the stadium or getting into the stadium no and out, like if you saw the, the footage after the game right people were doing what they always do in tampa after the game which is they pour into bars and are even if they had to go outside, they're standing shoulder to shoulder, masks off, right. especially as they get drunker and drunker, like absolutely infecting each other. And then my last take is I thought the weekend was good and y'all can suck it. <laughs> I know he's not Beyonce or Shakira or JLo. He's not meant to be. We need to move on as a culture. Nobody's going to be Beyonce, okay? Only Beyonce is Beyonce. That was one of the best performances of all time. She caused a blackout in the stadium. Um, everybody always says this, but it's true. It was a Beyonce concert featuring the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. The weekend is not that performer. And I had a bunch of people texting me where they were like, the weekend is such like a 2 a.m. after you're coming home from the bar. Listen, like, you know, he's that sort of like after after party performer. And I'm like, yeah, he's dope. Like, why can't that be the vibe for the night? I thought he did great. I mean, the Sti sound was a mess, sure. But he, I thought he was great. Still the only weekend song I've ever heard was in the movie Uncut Gems. I don't even remember what song they played in Uncut Gems. I have no it was such an, a deeply unpleasant experience for me <laughs> watching that film that I blacked out during most of it. I have no clue. I don't know what song it is. I just know he's in the movie. And so but like, I've... I'm sorry. Blinding Lights is a bop. Like, that's a straight-up jam. So anybody who's saying The weekend was, like, low energy, he's come such a long way as a performer. He used to perform, like, on the Bowery with his back to the audience because he had such social anxiety and, like, it was really difficult for him. Like, and now he's playing the Super Bowl. I think he did great. It was really cool to see backup dancers who, like, don't have shredded six-packs who look like normal dudes just dancing their butts off. That was so cool. I thought they all looked great. It was fun. I really liked it. So, y'all can suck it. <laughs> um, Eric, I, I'm going to change the format of this a little bit just because I'm watching so much shit that I just <laughs> have completely overtaken the rec uh, section. Okay. Do you have any recommendations? Uh, yeah, I think I do. I'm watching a little more TV these days. Uh, there's a new season of Hell's Kitchen. It's very good. It's very good. Do you have anything that like came out in the year 2020 or 2021? I just said it's a new season. I know, but like it's, it's happening been on now. For it's 1 million years. Uh there is a great game show. I've recommended this game show, but it's a new version of the game show. Oh my god, okay. So I recommended the show I think last year sometime, a British game show called The Chase. Um and they have remade 
it went off the air a while ago, but it went on Netflix last year. Well, they've remade the show this year for for the U.S. and it features three expert trivia players, which are the three highest winning players on Jeopardy ever. That's uh, cool. Yeah. Um. So it's very cool. Is it's Ken Jennings cool. one of them? It is Ken Jennings, James Holtower, and um, I can never remember his last name. It's Brad. Uh, Ratner, Ratner, or something like that. Is that the guy who I went to high school with? Maybe. Okay, there's so. one guy who went to, and I didn't know this. My friend Kim, whose recommendation I just read on the show, mm. randomly texted me one day and was like, "Oh my god, this guy we went to high school with is like murdering it on Jeopardy <laughs> right now." And I was like, "What?" And I, I saw his photo and I was like, "Oh my god, I remember him." Um, That's so crazy. yeah. Yeah, he was just tearing it up for like a long time. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a great show. I I love it. I I watch it every week. Um, it's great. Uh, and other than that, I've just been watching a lot of. You know what I've been doing a lot? I've just been watching a lot of. Uh, this is gonna sound so stupid. I've been watching a lot of chess. That's what I do most days now. Yeah. So. Explain to people, because maybe others out there, because I found out our listeners are just big old freaks who want to talk about like <laughs> wood carving videos or wood turning videos and like pens. So mm. this might be right up their alley. I feel like I give off the opposite energy of that. And I just don't know how any of you listen to me. But <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, where can people watch chess games if they want to? You can watch a lot. Um it's actually weirdly and i don't know how this happened i think it happened over time it's actually weirdly really popular on twitch um that makes sense to me though that that tracks yeah and there's a lot of like i think at first it was a lot of like professional chess players started streaming especially last year when COVID hit obviously because like you know they i mean online chess has been a thing for a while but i think especially starting last year a lot of them were like, well, I don't have anything else to do now. So they started streaming themselves playing online chess. Mm-hmm. And, but an interesting ha- thing happened, which is that a lot of like, you know, a lot of like a- extremely popular, like, t- like regular Twitch streamers, like, like dudes that just stream video games all the time. Um, they started playing chess too now. And so like they'll stream chess sometimes like, like super like big Twitch streamers. Um, and they're actually starting a. They actually have a uh, tournament starting tomorrow on Valentine's Day. Uh, that is like wow, that's a depressing. Ch- a big yeah, right. <laughs> it's like a big chess tournament specifically for not professional chess players, but for like popular Twitch streamers that stream regular video games. They they come in and, and uh, like play a big chess tournament. Um, By the way, that wasn't me being a bitch. Uh, there's like a major. <laughs> packet do uh when when shows are staffing their writers they send out packets mm-hmm. there's a, a packet for a major show coming out that is due on valentine's day nice. that you can only write on valentine's day because they want day of headlines and we were me and some friends were joking <laughs> where i was like wow that is such an accurate burn that none of us have valentine's day plans and yep. then we're all mm-hmm. like yep are you a comedy writer? You don't have Valentine's Day plans, right? <laughs> Here's a packet due day of on Valentine's Day. Right. We're all like, it, we will make the deadline. Yes. Yeah, we'll do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, oh, I don't know if I... Yeah, we'll do it. Oh, yeah, well, uh, yeah, Absolutely. It. So um, that's yeah. a good wreck. 
I spent, I sp- yeah, so I've just been watching. This is the first time I've ever been like a ch- like a Twitch watcher. Mm-hmm. Like I've ne- I've had no reason to ever before. I know. I don't I'm play video like, games. I'm always like, should I do? I here are the two things in my head currently. Should mm. I be on TikTok making content? Should I be on Twitch making content? And everybody always says yes, and I'm always like, I'll look into it, and I don't because I'm just like, <laughs> I just, you know, I'm tired, and right. it's it's just another thing. And I'm sure once I got into it and I start getting those sweet likes, mm-hmm. it'll be as addictive as anything else. But of course, the idea of being an over thirty on TikTok, I'm just like, <laughs> oh god. <laughs> like I know Gen Z doesn't want me there. Like, and I'm sure they'd be nice, but I'm just like, I know this is your thing, and like, am I the old trying to like? break in on the young's platform and the answer is yes obviously but like is that acceptable and for how much longer (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't i i don't mess around tiktok i don't yeah i'll watch i like i'm on there and i have an account and i like videos and stuff and i i watch people and i love tiktok a lot and i respect twitch and i like what twitch is doing as well i'm just like is this for me or Mm. am i just a basic twitter bitch yeah, there's something about Twitter. It just just keeps you keeps you in its web. Well, Twitter's for writers, so right. that's why I think I got stuck in in the Twitterverse, you know. Um, right. But because I do, I don't know. Like whenever I have an idea that could be a TikTok video, I just tweet it. Right. Where it's yeah. like I could have made that into like a character, but that is significantly more work. So it's just me being lazy. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. We're unmotivated if we don't want to use a mean word. <laughs> There's that. I also think, I don't know. I mean, I, it could just be a style thing too. Like I don't, I mean, personally, I don't find most TikTok videos to be that interesting. Just, I, I don't, don't, but I have a couple friends. Uh, Jake Cornell is great on TikTok. Mm. Um, Chris from the Dirty Horror podcast is great mm-hmm. on TikTok. Um, Dirty Little Horror. I think I just said the Dirty Horror podcast. <laughs> hmm, my brain. Um, and others who I'm sure I'm, I'm spacing on right now. But like, yes, they're my friends, but they're also like viral on TikTok. Like they're they're doing right. really, really well. Um, so I've seen some some good ones. Right. Yeah. I'm sure there yeah. are. I just don't. Yeah. Just don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't get into it. Well, Not. before we completely go over time, did you have any other yes. recommendations that you were dying to share? No, that's it. Okay. So, uh, man, I am feeling really emotionally <laughs> drained today because I have, in the past few days, watched the Britney documentary. Mm. I read the Shelley Duvall piece, and I watched Promising Young Woman last night. Wow. And between consuming those three things, I'm not kidding. I'm going to murder the next man who criticizes a woman in my presence for any reason. Even if he's right. Even if some <laughs> bitch real, really fucked up. If he dares criticize her in my presence, I'm just going to kill him. And I'm not going to warn him. I'm just going to snap his neck. Because that's I'm- where I'm at emotionally. <laughs> I'm surprised you had me on the show. Well, you haven't criticized a woman yet. <laughs> that's true. And you better I'm- not. I'm walking on thin ice here. You better not. Okay. So I'm not <laughs> above coming to North Carolina just to murder you. <laughs> I have miles. Yeah. So obviously the Britney documentary, we talked about it a little bit on the show because Charles had seen it. So he he talked about it a little bit. Um, 
Oh, by the way, I we'll get to this in the the good news section because uh, some good things have come out of the Britney documentary. But uh, Charles texted me a whole explainer about what happened in court yesterday because mm. there were truly headlines back to back that were like, Jamie Spears, uh, Britney's father, just got his ass handed to him by this judge. And then the next headline was, he's still in control of her conservatorship. So I was like, what happened in court? So Charles sent me the explanation. We'll get to that in a second. But my main takeaway from watching the documentary, which I'm assuming you have not seen, right, Eric? I have not. I looked into it. I saw it was trending. <laughs> I didn't know it was coming out until everybody was talking about it. On it's Twitter. really good. I do recommend checking it out because it's it's obviously about much more than just Britney Spears. It's about our culture, sure. how sure. we treat young women. Um, but my main take takeaway was just I was I'm so horrifically embarrassed. I ever thought this shit was funny or entertaining um we are all complicit yes even the people who are like well i never thought it was funny fuck you yes you did everyone was making fun of britney spears i have no memory of anyone other than maybe craig ferguson on tv standing up for britney spears we all thought this shit was funny we all thought these women were like out of control and sluts and deserve to be embarrassed publicly and I'm just so deeply embarrassed I ever thought that was funny or acceptable. And I just wish her nothing but good things. And I'm so incredibly sorry she went through. It's heartbreaking when you watch it. She's just like, she's so alone and scared. And people make her feel like shit just for being like a young, vibrant, sexual person. And it's horrible. It's horrible. Mm -hmm. I hate Justin Timberlake so much, but <laughs> I also want to say, like, we still do this shit on Instagram. We we body shame women all the time, whether they're too fat, if they lose the weight, they're too thin. We shame them for getting cosmetic surgery, for wearing too much makeup. And it's like, can we just stop? We talk about fucking Billie Eilish's tits. It's like, just stop talking about women's bodies and leave them alone and allow them to make the decisions they want to make. Don't tell them they shouldn't wear makeup because they're so much more beautiful with a natural look. Mind your own fucking business. Stop commenting on this shit. If you want to talk about Billie Eilish, just talk about her music and like what an amazing artist she is and how she's killing the game and like let her live her life. And these people who are like, well, fuck them. They're celebrities. They have money. It's like they're also fucking human beings. And it's not a coincidence that Almost all of them are young women. We Nothing pisses off America more than a, a successful young woman. We want to tear mm. them down. That's maybe the only good, valid point South Park ever made. The episode where <laughs> South Park like uh, sacrifices the young pop starlet for the crops. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, it's true. Like we do these like ritualistic sacrifices of, of the next young woman. You know, it was Lindsay Lohan, it was Paris Hilton, Britney Spears. Um, it's horrible how we treat women. But I also want to emphasize like it's good we're having this conversation, but it's still a conversation we're just having about white women right now. Um, and let's remember that Justin Timberlake also fucking destroyed the career of uh, Janet Jackson. Mm -hmm. Um if you don't want to make the argument he destroyed it, then he was like silent while it was happening. And not only that, begged for his own career back. He went to the head of CBS at the time and like got on his knees and basically begged and I'm sure said a bunch of untrue shit 
Um, cause the whole thing was set up when he like tore her costume right. away during the Super Bowl. Yeah. Like it was all planned. Everybody was in on it. They were going to flash her tit cause it'd be good for ratings. Um, but everybody was in on it and Janet was the only one who got thrown under the bus. So we need to remember that as bad as it is for people like Britney Spears, it's a thousand times worse for women of color. We're not even having the conversation about women of color yet <laughs> in the media. So that's the only note I want to make. And then... Finally, and I, I'm not going to get into it because I don't want to spoil the movie, and my feelings are so complicated, I just don't have time to get into it right now, but Promising Young Woman is great. Uh, it's incredibly compelling. It's incredibly complicated. Huge, huge content and trigger warning for um, violence against women. A I'm sure you have all heard that there's like a big thing that happens. Um, but if you are sensitive to anything like that and you're not sure if you should watch it or not, feel free to uh, message me and I can like DM you privately. And if you don't care about spoilers, I can tell you specifically what happens. So you are at least braced for it. If you wanna watch it, but you're like, ah, this could potentially trigger me and I don't know if I should uh, watch it. So I can, if you don't mind me spoiling it for you, I can tell you what happens. Um, but uh, Carrie Mulligan is fucking incredible in it. She gives an amazing, bone-chilling performance. I think a lot of the reviewers misunderstand this film. I don't think it presents revenge in an approving way at all. Uh, I think it ultimately shows that revenge is incredibly hollow and reverses nothing. And once a horrific crime has been committed, it's been committed and you just have to live with that forever. Mm -hmm. And you can never, ever, ever undo it. And if you try to undo it, more bad things will happen. So, and that's not to say that then we can't have justice for the victims. That's to say the crime is the thing that we should be talking about. The, we need to talk about young men and how young men hurt women. Um, because once it happens, there's no way to reverse it. Um, right. So, yeah, I... Like I said, it's, it's a really complicated film, and I've heard both positive things about it and negative things about it, and I think the negative reviews are as interesting as the positive reviews. I'm very thoughtful, and I don't necessarily disagree with them, but I do think uh, this film is misunderstood in that way, where, again, I would have to spoil the film to get into it, but the central protagonist, Carrie Mulligan's character, makes some choices in the film that on their face look incredibly evil <laughs> and and right. are certainly bad but i think they are meant to be that way to show that this is a person who is consumed by her need for revenge which ultimately is is a huge downfall for her so right. um yeah that's what i wanted to say about that check out promising young woman it's can I, fascinating yeah can i ask a, a possibly stupid question that has been yeah, sure. driving me crazy about mm -hmm. promising young woman is she intentionally supposed to look like Harley Quinn? Yeah. So I think, I, I don't know if she's supposed to look like Harley Quinn, but Margot Robbie is one of the executive producers on it. Okay. And I think there are very specific cultural nods to mm. other girl power moments in our culture. Gotcha. From the soundtrack to the way she styled, um, there's a, a very specific Kill Bill framing device where they divide the, the film into chapters. Mm. Um, okay. So I think, th I think that um, 
everything is done incredibly deliberately in this film and nothing's an accident right that that's another criticism i've seen of it that i think is really really unfair where someone was like well maybe they just didn't put so much thought into this and i was like there emerald took such care with this film she was meticulous with the screenplay there are some flaws in the screenplay but I found out originally how this film was supposed to end and I almost started crying because I was so devastated that that's not the ending. I think it would have been a perfect ending and for sure it was a studio note. And to me, it it really, really is one of the flaws of the film that they changed the ending. Um, But that for sure was a fight and she for sure thought about it for a long time, you know? Mm So this is a thoughtful film. There's some dope people involved in it. I would definitely check it out. Again, though, keep in mind the content warnings and trigger warnings because it is very intense in a way that surprised me that they they go there. And they go there for a while. And I was just, my jaw was on the floor the whole time. I was just like, I can't believe they did this. Wow. Um, And that Emerald was like eight months pregnant directing it when they went there. insane but yeah check it out if you've seen it hashtag light trees and pot i want to talk about it guys on that note it's that time of the show let's all hold hands and cry here's your bad news As per usual, I have some other stories that I was going to talk about in the pop culture section that I think we can put in the bad news section, which is fine because my goal is to make this a pop culture show anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I slowly segue from anything to do with politics Mm -hmm. because, you know, to save my soul. But we should talk about Joss Whedon, right? Just because I feel like he is so emblematic of how much our culture has changed over the past couple decades because obviously he was once heralded as like, This great male feminist who had created this great feminist show, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where, you know, he Mm -hmm. dared to ask, what if a hot chick slayed vampires? And then everybody was like, yeah, that's cool. And he was like, I'm a feminist. And everyone was like, we guess. So it turns out he's a bad man. And a bunch of stories have come out about him. Most recently, uh, there is Charisma Carpenter, who was on Buffy, who talked about, you know, when she was pregnant on the show, he was incredibly um, passive-aggressive, sometimes straight-up aggressive, threatening to fire her for daring to have gained weight when she was four months pregnant. He called her fat. She weighed 126 pounds. Not that it matters. It doesn't matter, you know, what her weight was. But um, she said he was mean and biting, disparaging about others openly and often played favorites, pitting people against one another to compete and vie for his attention and approval. Um, Yeah, I think it's interesting how much our standards for men in the 90s and early aughts was so incredibly low. Because looking back now, it's like, oh, this guy's a monster. But we like really our culture praised him so much. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't, I don't know that much about like the entertainment industry, but it seems like that was. It's not even that the standards are low. I think that was like, that was what was considered like good, like being a good producer or whatever. 
right? Like yeah, your like, bitches better be skinny and hot, <laughs> right? And white, always white. Uh, yeah, I like. It's interesting because on the one hand, you're right. That was just. Uh, there's a great moment in Promising Young Woman where Alison Brie is in it, and and she plays a character who is uh, very complicit in shaming the the young woman who's raped in the film mm-hmm. and she has a line i'm paraphrasing but it's essentially like that's what happened back then we would get drunk right we would black out and this shit just happened and that was normal that was the culture you know and mm-hmm. that's something important to keep in mind i think because you never want to start approaching this stuff with like a holier than thou attitude that's why i said i was so embarrassed about the britney doc because we all did it, right? We were, we were all complicit in varying degrees in different ways, right? Right. And part of reckoning with this is that self-examination. We need to be honest. Like, in what way did I participate in this? Because we all participated in it. And you don't want to be the person who was like, I never once <laughs> in my life participated mm-hmm. in it. Because I'm sorry you're a liar. At some point, you did participate in this. And again, varying degrees. I'm not saying you raped anyone, but maybe you heard a story. Maybe you turned away. Maybe you you did something, right? Somebody told a joke that you ignored. We all participated in it. And we need to be honest about that. So, And that's so, again, that's not to say that Joss Whedon's behavior in the 90s or the early aughts was in any way unusual for the time. But that doesn't also mean we just ignore it now. Like there does need to be a reckoning. And even if that's like a private closed door meeting between the parties where he sincerely apologizes, if that's satisfactory to the women, that's fine. I'm not saying we have to like publicly behead Joss Whedon, you know, (laughs) as mad as I am at literally everyone. But there does need to be some kind of come to Jesus moment. Otherwise it's like, we can't just keep moving ahead blindly, you know? Yeah. And it sounds like he was a real, like, like there's like the misogynist aspect, obviously, but there's also like, I was reading, cause it's, it's interesting. The story is, I mean, it's been coming out for a long time, but it's interesting that it's popping up now. Cause I've been watching Buffy, <laughs> like, cause I never watched it before. And then, so last year, like, Faith and I just started watching it because um, she—that's like her favorite show. You, so I kn- you guys watching Buffy during all of this is like when I was like, I'm gonna get really into Harry Potter. J.K. <laughs> Rowling was just being like a transphobic <laughs> monster online. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So, uh, and we're almost done. We're almost done. We started last year. <laughs> we started last just year. Just get through it. Just get through we're it. Almost done. <laughs> I like it. Um, yeah. I, I I enjoy it. Uh, but it's funny because like. I was reading, so I saw these stories popping up. I started reading it. And it was like there was even like a story where like he would he would like corner um, James Marsters who plays Spike and would just like corner him up against the wall and just yell at him because the fans liked him. <laughs> just like fuck? because of his popularity, he would just yell at him because he didn't want him on the show, but because the fans liked him, he had to ha- he had to keep riding him onto the show you know because the fans Ugh. loved them so much and he like just hated him he just hated yeah, this guy he just, so much he seemed like in general he created a really toxic workspace and was especially awful to women like yeah. sexually inappropriate and yeah yeah and it, um, and it just 
and it just and the, the problem is like i mean obviously i mean what he did is a problem but like it just kept going and and so one of the things that's interesting with the buffy story is like i think we talk about like oh this is just how things were back then when this was happening or whatever but all like the story started coming up because somebody on a recent movie had the same dealings with Joss Whedon, right? When they were doing uh, the adventure, like whatever the movie was, Justice League or whatever. Right. Um, that's a good point. Like he is still this way. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's still doing it. Like that's the problem is like, it's not even just like, oh, this used to be this way. It's like, yeah, it's still happening. A- I'm sorry to keep drawing a line to Promising Young Woman, but again, it's one of the reasons the film's so great because it makes all these connections. Mm-hmm. That's another thing that they explore where it's like the way they reveal these guys don't ever change. And why would they? Because they're never held accountable. But the way that behavior that they exhibited in college reveals itself when they are grown men is so awful and creepy and totally unsurprising every time it happens you're like of course it's happening of course you're reacting this way because you're still that guy so that's how I feel about Joss Whedon where it's like yeah this guy was never held accountable by his industry by anybody so why would his behavior be different now yeah I mean not only was he held like I mean he acted this way and he became like rich and famous (laughs) yeah he (laughs) was rewarded for it he was he was praised as like a showrunner and a creator of the show and leader of film writer, you know? So like right. he has consistently gotten amazing work, endless praise told he's a feminist. So <laughs> right. he has this armor on him going into these situations where he's like, well, fuck you. If you criticize me, do you know who I am? Why am I so successful in this rich and this beloved? If I'm a bad man. And it's like, yeah, I kind of understand why this guy thinks that, you know, and he, he can't see that he's a monster. Right. Uh, so, or, or he knows he's being a monster, but he knows he has that protection. You know, I don't want to make it seem like he doesn't have agency. (laughs) Like I think he understands when he's upsetting people. Yeah. Um, so sort of in a similar vein, cause we're talking about Hollywood culture. I, we got to talk about Gina Carano getting fired from star Wars and now (laughs) maybe doing a film guys. Can you imagine how fucking, how much this is going to suck? Ben Shapiro, <laughs> ben Shapiro wants to make a film with Gina Carano. Oh, the they people, signed a deal. They did they, it. Oh, they signed it. Okay. So if you've never had the pleasure, go read any of Ben Shapiro's writing. Oh. Go watch a 10 to 15 second clip of Gina Carano trying to act. <laughs> and you will understand just how much this is going to suck. Because it was so funny just to see Star Wars fans be like, like, first of all, Star Wars fans don't have a great track record with supporting women in their little fantasy world, right? Sure. Like, so there's that aspect of it. But I'm talking about, like, the non-misogynist Star Wars fans mm-hmm. were like, thank God, because she was so bad. I right. She's a large part of the reason I stopped watching The Mandalorian, because anytime <laughs> she was on screen, I was like, I can't. I can't. She's so <laughs> bad. There's no excuse to have Gina Carano in anything. There used to be an excuse, which was there's not many women who can pull off the physicality of fight scenes in a convincing way because there's something in Hollywood called waifu, which is when you cast a 90-pound female lead in a film, she can't convincingly do certain martial arts moves because you need weight and muscle to do them. Somebody like Gina Carano can pull it off because she's an actual fighter. 
Well, so I was going to say, she's not an actor. She's not an she actor. She was an MMA fighter and that people, got hired to be a fighter in movies. But Eric, for so long, when she was like in Haywire, people were trying to sell her where they were like, no, she can actually act. And I'm like, she absolutely can't fucking act. <laughs> She's bad in this. The physicality is cool. You got a good fight choreographer. She can do the moves. She's yeah. an athlete. She looks good fighting. Um, but now we have better fighters, first of all, than Gina Carano, because she never got into the UFC. She got her ass kicked by uh, Chris Cyborg. <laughs> never even got right. into the UFC. So now we have better fighters, and for sure you can find somebody who can act better than Gina Carano. Yeah. So what's your fucking excuse? Like, get somebody else. Like, cast somebody else from the fucking UFC if that's what you want. Part of the problem is they always want the pretty white girl. So, like, Ronda Rousey got cast in sure. everything. Again, right. there are way better fighters, women of color, and probably better actors than Ronda Rousey. Dana White's not going to push them in the same way into the spotlight, you know, because he likes right. his pretty white women for some for whatever reason. I'm not implying anything, right? <laughs> I'm not implying the UFC is absolutely infested with racists. Um, but, yeah, there, there are so many better people. But anyway, the reason I wanted to talk about this what the fuck is Chris Hayes talking about? So I don't know if you saw this. He tweeted, um, I, don't, uh, I don't have his actual tweet, but basically he was like, he agrees with this think piece that was like, the reason or, uh, hold on, I'm going to find the tweet in a second, but before I get to that, I should explain why she was fired. Mm -hmm. So she had been sharing a whole bunch of memes that made fun of like the mask mandate in California, compared Trump's second impeachment trial to Groundhog's Day, uh, claimed Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. But arguably her most offensive post, the one that really started the call to get her canceled from Star Wars, she reshared in her Instagram story a photo of a Jewish woman in her undergarments screaming as she ran away from men and young boys armed with clubs it's a very infamous image from 1941 uh, during the pogroms where Jewish men and women were massacred by their own neighbors. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so she shares it. It has this caption. Jews were beaten in the streets, not by Nazi soldiers, but by their neighbors, even by children. Because history is edited, most people don't realize that to get to the point where Nazi soldiers could easily round up thousands of Jews, the government first made their own neighbors hate them simply for being Jews. How is that any different from hating someone for their political views? So basically saying, I, a conservative white woman living in America, am exactly like the Jews in the pogroms <laughs> because <laughs> people are mean to me on Instagram. This is right. when she still had her job at Star Wars. Right. So it's like, of course people were deeply offended by that. Sure. Understandable. Uh, so Chris Hayes, I'm going to try to find this. You might have to vamp, by the way. Well, look, second. here's, well, I, I want to make this point first before we get into it. Because it, the, this whole thing is being blown up. Like, oh, it's cancel culture, run amok, uh, blah, blah, blah. You, you know, Gina Carano gets fired for her social media post. And I would be, I would actually be a little sympathetic to that argument if Gina Carano was like an accountant at some, you know, business right there's just some like person who works a job i think like yeah i mean like what you say online matters but also like i'm a little more i would be a little more like 
maybe this is a little weird that you're being fired for your social media post, but you're an entertainer. You are representing your brand that you work for and the company. So no, it does actually matter what you post online. Even if there was nothing like, I mean, even if this wasn't what you posted, even if it wasn't that offensive, it's like, no, they, you are the face of this brand and this show and this company. And you can't just post whatever you want and expect to have no ramifications for it. Yeah. And again, Disney's a private company. Yeah. They have the right to... Somebody made a great point online where they were like, all these conservatives want states with the the rights to fire people at will. Here's a (laughs) company firing somebody at will because they posted something fucking anti-Semitic. And suddenly they're like, this is censorship, First Amendment. It's like, first of all, that's not what the First Amendment protects you against. Second of all, if you think private businesses should have the right to hire and fire whoever the fuck they want, this is Disney exercising that right. So you can't have it both ways, right? So Mm. this is the original thread that blew up and everybody was sharing. So Chris Hayes shares this New York Magazine article with the headline, Firing Actors for Being Conservative is Another Blacklist. And he captions it, I've got my quibbles here and there, but basically agree with this. So then Roxanne Gay responds to it and says, but she wasn't fired for being conservative. She was fired for being anti-Semitic, unless you're suggesting those two are synonymous. Great point. So Chris Hayes says, I mean, I guess, I mean, I think this gets at the nub of the issue, which I'm not sure there's an obvious solution for, which is that her posts are more and more what mainstream conservatism looks like. Tens of millions of people who post like that. Roxanne says, if tens of millions harbor those kinds of toxic beliefs, they should be called out about them. We cannot compromise and understand our way to unity, whatever that is, with people who espouse these kinds of beliefs. It is not conservatism. It is bigotry. So I get I get that the two are becoming synonymous, but I also agree with Roxanne. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, we we can't just be like, this is how it is, you know? <laughs> like, like, yeah, the GOP is now a bunch of racists. That they're gonna <laughs> do their racist thing. It's like, yeah, for sure. But also we need to keep consistently calling it racism. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's I mean, how yeah. I feel. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Okay. I think, yeah, I, uh, yeah, the whole, like, the problem I have with that, that article is in, like, yeah, I think it would be weird if, if they were just like, oh, we found out you're conservative, so you're, you're fired. That's not ever what happens. It's you shared something that was deeply offensive to a lot of people. And that's a different thing. I mean, it doesn't matter what side of the aisle it's on. If if you're the face of a company and you're using your incredibly large public profile to share things that are offensive to a bunch of people, that damages the brand. Yeah, and I, there is this myth that Hollywood is liberal because a lot of mm. actors are liberal. But... Hollywood as a business is incredibly conservative. I mean, there's a reason that you rarely see a heterosexual couple, let, or, let alone a gay couple in a Marvel film, ever kiss. You right. know, because Hollywood ultimately is very conservative because they want to make money. 
Um, and not only that, they're, they're union busting, they, anything to make more money, right? So yeah. they don't want to pay a lot, so they bust unions. They want as many people as possible to see these giant films, so they make them as, quote-unquote, inoffensive as possible, so they remove all sexuality, especially any queerness, anything interesting, <laughs> you know, like, to make it as broad as possible. Hollywood is conservative, so to claim that conservatives aren't welcome in Hollywood is laughable. You can't be openly anti-Semitic if Disney's trying to sell a franchise, right? Because, again, they're trying to be broad, so they don't want to piss off every single Jewish person. So they won't like that because you're hurting their brand. Right. Um, their brand is very family-friendly, very positive, uplifting. They don't want, like, hate as part of the brand. So they'll get rid of you. But they would also do that if, you, like, Mark Ruffalo was suddenly like, we have to kill all the conservatives. <laughs> right. They would be like, Mark, you absolutely have to go. We're going to recast the Hulk. Right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is the this is the 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 game and the trick that like people like John Voight have always played, where it's like, oh, I can't be a conservative in Hollywood. Oh, I'm to I'm being blacklisted because I'm conservative in Hollywood. It's like actually, it's probably because you're out there saying, you know, I mean, this is not specific to John Voight, but I just mean like a lot of these people in that are like quote unquote conservative in Hollywood who claim to be fired for being conservative in Hollywood are usually like, you know. It's like no, you're not fired for being conservative. You're not being hired because you're like out there saying like you know gay people shouldn't be allowed to be married and we should stone them to death or whatever. You right. know what I mean? It's like no, it's not. It has nothing. And like nobody gives a shit that you're conservative. But if you're pissing off a bunch of people and you're limiting our audience with your presence, then why would I hire you? Right. Uh, Eric, should we talk about this trial? Impeachment trial. Let's just talk about the wild video they showed Plaskett, um, one of the House managers who was presenting the case against Trump for the, the Capitol insurgency, um, was detailing what was in this video. Um, I think the most interesting thing they showed was when they showed footage of the mob putting up the gallows, um, uh, yeah. with a noose outside the Capitol. They were chanting, hang Mike Pence. Um, so they explicitly threatened his life. Um, the Capitol Police deemed the threat so severe they evacuated Pelosi. Um, so Plaskett said the, ins the insurrectionist intent to murder the Speaker of the House is well documented with charging documents that are now available. We know from the rioters themselves that if they had found Speaker Pelosi, they would have killed her. And I genuinely believe they would have killed Pelosi and Pence and um, Romney. I think just from what we've heard from the rioters who actually like were storming the Capitol, and what they were saying and what they were saying in these videos, I fully, fully believe that if they had encountered them, they would have at least tried to physically harm them. Mm -hmm. So, but having said all that, I still don't believe that Trump's going to be impeached or anything like that. But I think it's wild. Did you watch the videos? Yeah, I did. Okay. I do recommend everybody watch the videos because I think even people who are very critical of Trump and the GOP, we have this inclination right now to just move on because we're all so tired and we want to move on from Trump because he was awful and an embarrassment and all that stuff. 
But I, I really think it's important we pause for a second and really unpack what happened January 6th because it is absolutely insane. Do watch the video. Um, I'm just stunned. You know, like, e even as... I was braced for something like this to happen, but even mm -hmm. so, watching it was an absolutely out-of-body surreal experience. Yeah. And I, th I think it's important that we really reckon with what happened. Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting that you bring up that point about, you know, the, the potential harm to people like Mike Pence and Nancy Pelosi. Because I think a lot of people are just like, yeah, some people broke into the Capitol. They rummaged around, whatever. Uh, and they were, like, very stupid looking. Like, when we see the photos, yeah. like, they look like dumb, goofy guys. They're like dumb, just running around, whatever. They're in, like, dumb costumes and, like... Uh, and I understand why people want to laugh at them because laughing at someone takes away their power. And I like, I understand mm -hmm. that. But when you see the video, it's different because the energy was really scary. Like these people were fucking pissed. Yeah. Well, there's that. And there's also like, I mean, you know, the reason nothing did happen is because the security worked, you know, halfway. I mean, kind of, kind the of. security working would have made sure they didn't get in. But I mean, it's like, when they got in, they got, you know, the Congress people to safety or whatever. Well, and then right? you had people so. like Goodman who, like, physically led the mm -hmm. mob away. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, like, but it's like, oh, well, nothing happened. It's like, yeah, well, I mean, we shouldn't wait until something does happen. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Well, like, not you only that, like, I, I talked about this when AOC talked about what happened to her on Instagram Live. When you are the person in the moment you don't have that gift of hindsight to be like, right. oh, there's going to be an end point to all of this. And the end point it isn't me dying. Right. So for her, that was always like a question mark where she was like, are these people going to physically hurt me? Are they going to kill me? And when you're in that moment, it lasts forever. So and that's where right. trauma is born. So for everybody now to be like, oh, why are we still talking about this? Like nothing happened. You know, I mean, first of all, something did happen. Multiple people died. But for the people who went through it, they have PTSD. They'll mm -hmm. have PTSD forever. Right. And it was very traumatizing. It was very serious because in that moment, they did not know if they would live or die. Sure. Yeah. So that's another reason where, like, I don't know if you saw the footage of Nancy Pelosi's aides watching the video. They're all like holding hands and crying because they were there and they thought they were right. going to die. They thought maybe Nancy Pelosi was going to die, which, again, I'm no fan of Nancy Pelosi. I do not want Nancy Pelosi to be murdered by a mob. Sure. And I'm sure that was a really scary moment, you know? So, like, yeah. these people are fucked up from it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, there's the, that video of, of like, um, Mid Romney almost walking straight into him. Yeah. Uh, Pence was incredibly close to them, too. I don't mm. know how you can look in the mirror every day knowing that your boss tried to have you killed and you're not going <laughs> to at least have a talk with him about it ever. Well, he's starting a podcast. <laughs> Maybe he'll talk through his feelings on his podcast. <laughs> I would love that. I would love if Mike Pence like really got to like the core of how he feels. <laughs> and he's like, I just feel really betrayed. And like, yeah. it makes me feel like he doesn't care about me. If he like really reckoned with it, I would love that for him. 
Um, did you hear about this encounter with House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy with Trump? I mean, I only... Uh, no, I, I don't know that much. I mean, I read that there was an encounter. But I don't know what happened. Woo. It was a doozy. Okay, so... <laughs> McCarthy called Trump on January 6th when it was happening to implore him to call off his supporters, call off the mob who were breaking into the Capitol. Trump says to him, well, Kevin, I guess these people are more upset about the election than you are. (laughs) So then McCarthy loses his fucking mind and he goes, who the fuck do you think you're talking to? And then, uh, oh, so McCarthy had previously discussed some details of the phone call, but I guess he he didn't specify how heated it got. Uh-huh. Um, so CNN's report about the call cites several Republican lawmakers who were briefed on the conversation. Uh, one of them, Herrera Butler, who was named among the 10 Republican House members who voted to impeach Trump, described the call as chilling. Um, she said the president was basically saying, nah, I'm okay with this. Did he send anyone in to help? No, but he did place calls to senators while they were, uh, but he did place calls to senators while they were in lockdown. And you know what he said? Can you do something for the delay, the electoral counting? (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. But the reason I'm bringing all this up is. I think sometimes on the left, we have this misunderstanding of the right as being perfectly unified at all times. Yeah. And I think that's detrimental because it's leading to a misunderstanding of what's happening right now, which is a fracturing of the GOP. And we have yep. confirmation of that uh, from Reuters. Dozens of former Republican officials who view the party as unwilling to stand up to Trump uh, are in talks to form a center-right breakaway party so these are the quote-unquote moderate responsible republicans mm-hmm. um and this has been confirmed uh, by four people with knowledge of the matter to, to reuters so totally predictable right i'm not like patting myself on the back for <laughs> predicting the fracturing of the republican party that was like so obviously going to happen it was happening since the tea party you know right but it seems like now things are accelerating a bit more since they fucking invaded the Capitol and tried to murder Republican officials. Um, and and so many Republicans are very, very mad at Trump. So I just think it's important that we accurately read the moment. Like, yes, Republicans tend to come together in the last minute to own the libs whenever possible, but they are having really serious foundational arguments right now that are going to profoundly and permanently change the party. Yeah. You you know what it started, I think, was... I don't think it started... It's not, like, with the formation of the Tea Party, but there was the 2010 midterm elections, and a bunch of Tea Party people got elected into, Mm -hmm. like, House and Senate seats, and they immediately just became regular Republicans. <laughs> right. And all of the fucking, all of the voters were like, hey, what the fuck? <laughs> like, well, but then those Tea Party people who were like felt very betra- betrayed, a lot of right. them went further to the right. Because yeah, they exactly. saw, I mean, th- we kind of saw the same thing happen with Occupy, right? Like yeah. the Occupy movement happened. I mean, listen, some of the Occupy people became full on fascists, right? But other <laughs> yeah. Occupy people went further to the left because they were like, what do you mean? We didn't change 
change anything and they got even more disillusioned. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. So everybody on that note, we got to get to the good. Here's your good news. <laughs> big proponent of finding joy wherever you can find joy sure and we include joy in the good news section it is so rare that a viral video you were just talking about how like tiktoks very rarely make you laugh mm-hmm. i experienced the same thing with like memes anytime like nine times out of ten when somebody sends me a meme or like a viral video and they're like oh my god you're gonna love this i don't <laughs> I don't know if it's just that I've consumed so much comedy content that like it's very hard to make me laugh. Right. Or I don't know. I just have people who don't understand who I am. But like (laughs) I almost never find memes funny. I almost never find viral videos funny. Finally, one made me laugh the other day. I think I know where this is going. Yes. You, of course, saw the kitten filter (laughs) video. Oh, my God, Eric. So I'm sure everybody has seen it by now. But just on the off chance that someone hasn't, and I can brighten your day a little bit, there is an absolutely incredible video of um, (laughs) a... It's in Texas. It's at a hearing in Texas's 394th Judicial District Court. Um, and it stars an attorney named Rod Ponton, who accidentally, I know, like this, you know, this guy is so boring (laughs) and so mild mannered and just would never do this as a joke. So he accidentally signed on to this hearing with a cat filter on. (laughs) And I guess it turned out that his secretary or somebody in his office had been like joking around and using it and like just forgot to take it off which just ends like adds more credence to the story because at first I was like is this staged how did anyone do this accidentally but the Mm. more details I've been hearing I'm like oh my god I think this is real so he signs on with the cat filter which is hilarious okay because it's with a judge in this hearing (laughs) and another attorney like a very serious hearing It's only 34 seconds, so really do go check it out. But the reason it's so funny is, like, everybody's completely deadpan in it. (laughs) So the judge, Judge Ferguson, is like, Mr. Ponton, I believe you have a filter turned on in the video settings. And (laughs) he goes, ah, we're trying to, can you hear me, judge? Which isn't the issue. He can hear him. It's just that he looks like a kitten and he's like nervously glancing off to the side. Like the kitten Uh looks so worried. The kitten looks like he's so worried about disappointing this judge. So Ferguson goes, I can hear you. I think it's a filter. Ponton says it is. And the kitten's head is bobbing up and down because he's nodding. And then he goes, I don't know how to remove it. I got my assistant here trying to, he trails off. And then Ponton says, I'm prepared to go forward with it. I'm here live. <laughs> and then he says the greatest thing of all time. I'm not a I'm cat. Not a cat. <laughs> I'm not a cat. F- so there's a pause. And then Ferguson goes, I can see that. <laughs> he knows you're not a cat. He knows you're not a cat. It's so good. And I know like hearing somebody describe a video or a meme on a podcast is like beyond painful. 
Mm-hmm. But the reason I'm doing it is I really want y'all to check it out because it's so funny. It genuinely made me laugh. And it's been so long since a viral video made me laugh. I think one of the great things about that video is just that it's just like everyone has had to put up with Zoom for an entire year. And yes. we needed something to just be like, yeah, this fucking sucks. Well, you know <laughs> like, what it is? It's like not only that, it's I've seen people use filters in so many unfunny ways right that i realized the only actually (laughs) comedic value filters have now is when Mm. people use them accidentally in like very serious settings so like a court hearing by somebody who would never use that filter is so funny yeah i was thinking about just like it's funny how like I mean, it is funnier with, with like, a judge and a court proceeding. But I, I was just thinking, like, that got me thinking about how, like, I remember reading, like, obviously, like, COVID's bad. But just, like, the it just, everybody just lost their fucking mind when we had to stay home and start using Zoom for everything. Because I remember reading this article. It had to have been, like, last, probably May or June. It was, like, just far enough into the lockdown where there was like this article where like i mean judges were literally having having to issue public statements that were like if you're a lawyer you have to wear a shirt on your zoom call <laughs> and everyone's just like what the fuck like people just like fucking lost it they're just like i'm going to court i don't care i'm in my pajamas like you know, like, or like sauce smeared across your chest there yeah. was one yeah there was one where like the uh one of the lawyers was literally like laying in bed and just holding her laptop. Up. <laughs> Dude, I like, listen, depression's real. I know people are struggling, but yeah, if you're a lawyer, you at least got to be in a chair. Come on. <laughs> I mean, you imagine, went to law school. You paid imagine, a lot of money. Imagine that you're a lawyer. Imagine you're like I on know, trial. You know, it, that has public defender written all over it. Not yeah. to, not to be smirched. Public defenders. Y'all are amazing, but yeah, it's just like, let's but, be real. But, but then, yeah, like people were literally like showing up without shirts. <laughs> it's just like, I know. Is, like people were just it's like wild. fucking it's losing. It's a wild it. time. No rules. Yeah. No God. But no rules. <laughs> the the cat filter was just like, Gold. oh, it was just so. Hey, you I, know what really really sells it for me? The the worried look on the kitten's face. Like, oh yeah. no, the judge is mad. <laughs> oh, it's so good, you guys. Um, so. Special Britney Spears correspondent for Light Treason News, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Charles Rockhill, sent me a little breakdown of what happened the other day in court with Britney okay. Spears' conservatorship because it's complicated. There were conflicting headlines. I was confused. So I was like, let me go straight to the source, basically, <laughs> and text Charles and just be like, what is sh- what's happening? So Charles, I think, breaks it down in a pretty succinct way. So I'm just going to read his text. The judge approved the bank Brittany selected to also be co-conservator with Jamie. Jamie's her father. If Jamie won't be removed, which wasn't the focus of this more recent hearing. Jamie petitioned to still retain financial control of her estate. And the judge said no. Anything he does has to also be approved by the bank now. So his power is greatly reduced or at least mm. handicapped, but he's still he's still partially in charge. They have to go back to court another date for proceedings to have him fully removed. 
The headlines are just sensationalizing what is a very small victory, but splitting the control between Jamie and the bank was the focus as removing him as a separate petition entirely. So that is very clear to me, where it's like, this is ultimately good. I think um, having to have the bank's permission as well to, to do anything with her money is really important because obviously the fear was that he would just drain her Take bank account and leave. <laughs> right. Yeah, like what would stop him at that point, you know? Um but so it's good that he has to like jump that other hurdle. And ultimately this just means they have to go back to court to get mm -hmm. him entirely removed. But I mean, there were headlines like victory for Britney Spears, like really sensationalized, irresponsible headlines. That's not true. Right. Um, I, but I, I'm putting it in the good news section because I think all of this added attention that's come from the documentary. Obviously we're having really important conversations about, misogyny and how we treat young women in this country but also I think this will help Britney in the long run you know like the judge was pissed at at Jamie in court where she was like I'm not giving you what you want I, I bet this judge is like feeling heat from everything right now right I don't even understand how you can have like control over somebody else's finances that's a grown-ass adult so this is why you should watch the documentary, Eric, <laughs> because they get into how conservatorships are really only supposed to happen. First of all, there's an incredibly high threshold for them mm -hmm. because you are stripping someone of their civil liberties and rights. Right. So the standard for that has to be sky high, right? So usually it's for very old people who have lost all of their mental capacity, which is why so many people in the case of Britney Spears have been like, what is happening? Because this woman is still doing full shows in Vegas. Right. She does TikTok videos. Like, she, like she's not mentally incapacitated. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying, like, she has no mental illness, but millions of Americans have mental illness, and they right. are in control of their finances. Being mentally ill doesn't mean you lose control of your finances. Right. So... But the, I mean, the documentary does a really good job, like showing what caused her public breakdown. Mm. But also, let let's just play devil's advocate and say Britney Spears is living with some kind of mental illness. That still doesn't mean that her father has the right to her finances, <laughs> right? And has had that right for over a decade. To have a conservatorship go that long is unusual, right. you know. That got me thinking. That just reminded me. There is a great. If people are interested in this topic, and this is not necessarily good news, but it is good news because it's a great documentary. There is a great docuseries I've recommended on the recommended on the show before called Dirty Money. It's a docuseries on Netflix, and there is an episode in season two about conservatorship, conservatorships, mm. whatever you call them, um, because and the 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 whole episode is about how so you like. You know, there's all these problems with 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 Britney and her dad or whatever. But you know, let's say Britney was incapacitated, you could understand how a, her dad would be able to take control of her finances, right? If she was incapacitated, the bonds do not have to be that high for a conservatorship. At least mm -hmm. in at least, I don't know if it's just in this one area or if it's just like in the overall legal law. But they go through cases where like, I mean, literally like family friends are taking conservativeships for like from older, you know, dementia patients and yeah. then just t taking their entire estate 
I mean, literally like selling off all their cars, their houses, stuff like that. Obviously in the documentary, because it's done by the New York Times, so they try to do like the both sides thing. Mm -hmm. So they do have representatives from like the court who are like, listen, we have a very high standard when it comes to conservatorships. But then you hear stories like that where it's like, do you? Because some dude just came in and said, yeah, I've known the old bitch for a while. Give me your money. And the court's like, all right, you seem responsible. So I don't know how consistent those standards are. It seems like not much. It seems like not at all. So the other good news aspect of this story kind of is Justin Timberlake has publicly apologized. He posted a statement uh, to his Instagram He issued an apology to Britney Spears and Janet Jackson for missteps, quote unquote, that he says contributed to a system that condones misogyny and racism. He posted, I've seen the messages, tags, comments, and concerns, and I want to respond. I'm deeply sorry for the times in my life where my actions contributed to the problem, where I spoke out of turn or did not speak up for what was right. But as noted by CNN, This statement did not offer specific examples of the actions (laughs) he regrets, um, but still the fact that he felt he had to say something shows that the pressure works, that the culture's changing, because he's been silent about this shit until mm, yesterday. So here's what I wish. I wish it did not take men their entire adult lives to figure out they should treat women with respect. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, it would have been nice if the Super Bowl thing happened and Janet got in a lot of trouble and Justin stood by her and said, if you're going to punish her, you got to punish me, too, because I wasn't on it. Right. That would have been nice. That would have been solidarity. But he didn't do that because he was a coward. And, okay, you didn't do that. But now you need to specifically say you did not do that. And it was wrong. And then you need to contact Janet Jackson and be like, Janet, how can I make this up to you? (laughs) And then let Janet tell you how you can make it up to her. And if she you says know, nothing, if she says, I'm not even mad at you, then great. But that's what he needs to do. Yeah, I mean, he's <laughs> like, it's just like these apologies. Like, it's good that people make apologies, but it's also like, okay, great. Well, you got to make all that money. So, you know, based on your, you know, untarnished image for so long, you know, and now it's like, oh, I apologize. Great. Okay. Yeah. You know what? Like a call to Janet, a sincere apology in person, and then privately setting up a very, very, very generous scholarship for young black musicians Mm -hmm. and not publicizing it. Something like that. Like use your money to help people because you used your platform and privilege to be silent for so long. So now use it to help people. Right. Yeah. And in in the case of Timberlake, you know, it's it's interesting cuz like it's I mean part of it's like I think this happens a lot where it's like it's not even the power and the privilege but it's also like he like his whole brand is like being the like nice, you know, down to earth famous rich guy right that's like his whole thing that's why he gets to host snl and do all this stuff because it's like that's you know what i mean like that's his whole brand as a oh, person i remember at the time snl being like he could be a cast member they loved right. him so much yeah right yeah it's just like that's his whole thing it's like yeah he's yes he's he can dance yes he can sing blah blah whatever but like 
you know, that's been his whole thing for years. I mean, it's just like, oh, but he's the the down-to-earth likable, f- extremely famous rich celebrity, and he's in the Facebook movie, and he's in, you know, blah, 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 and he's able to do all this stuff and, you know, whatever. But it's like, that's, it's not even just that he was rich and powerful, but it's also like he he literally built his entire brand by never adjusting this stuff, covering it up, and never dealing with it at all and so right. now it's just like okay great you apologize it like it's so much worse than just like saying like, oh i fucked up yeah and this is usually when men are like oh so we can never win right even when we apologize we're still bad and it's like right because this doesn't go far enough this is vague this is late this this doesn't do anything to help the individual who was harmed individuals plural who were harmed in these instances right. So, yeah, it's still bad, but at least it's it's in the good news section because he is being forced to reckon with it because let's read his comment again because it was super funny. Um, I've seen the messages <laughs> and tags and comments and concerns, and I want to respond because y'all were little uh, terrorists in his messages <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, forced right. him to look at it every day. And good for you. Like, yeah, y- he needed to see it. He needed to know that people were pissed and they weren't going to forget he fucking did this. Right. Um, so good on all of you. Everybody, please follow Eric on Twitter at E-R-E-K underscore Smith. It's a weird way to spell Eric. <laughs> Eric, is there anything you want to plug or tell people to check out? Uh, no, I'm just, I'm mostly just hanging out on Twitter. That's hell yeah, dude. I yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty much all I do now. I've been yeah. focusing. I've been like trying to like focus a lot on my actual like work, my actual mm-hmm. job. So mm-hmm. that is uh not, you know, being aggressively online. So. Wow. I don't understand that, and I don't care to. <laughs> Everybody, follow me online where I am online aggressively. Uh, at Allison Kilkenny, the show's Light Treason News Pod, one of the two. Wow. Uh, Twitter, <laughs> Facebook, Instagram. I always forget, guys. But you can uh, go to patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny, sign up for as little as $5 a month, or go to lighttreason.news and smash that donate button to keep us going. I appreciate every last cent during these wacky, wacky times. And yeah, thank you so much for listening. And while you're at it, stay inside and cause a little trouble. 